Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients. We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website. Head over to shrinkthink.com forward slash podcast, where we've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hi folks, Gordon Brewer here, and if you don't know me yet, I'm the person behind the Practice of Therapy podcast, which is part of the Sightcraft Network of Podcasts, and I'm so proud to be part of this network along with Aaron and Nathan and the Shrink Think podcast and the great work they are doing to help people in their journeys. And if you haven't discovered the Practice of Therapy podcast, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love for you to join us as we explore the business and clinical sides of running a private practice. And be sure to check us out at practiceoftherapy.com for all the great resources and free webinars to help you in your own private practice journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We are going to continue our series on the Enneagram here. I love this subject. I love talking about it. I recently hosted a retreat for therapists and practice owners in Asheville, North Carolina with my friend and colleague Whitney Owens of Wise Practice Consulting. We did a whole training, like kind of an intro training on the Enneagram, spent a couple of hours talking through all of it. And oh, I just love it. Like, and people were eating it up as Here's helpful information to know about all the different types of people, about themselves. So it's great when you have an audience of people that can actually respond to it. So I'm hoping you guys will listen and uh, contact us and give us some of your feedback. I'm hoping that as you listen to it, that you get to know yourself a little bit better if you are one of these numbers. And also you can be thinking about other people in your life that fit these uh, these numbers. Maybe you don't even really know them that well, but as we're describing each one, you might think like, oh yeah, that's Uncle Billy or like, oh yeah, that's my brother <laughs> oh, Sally, you know, kind of a thing. Because we ultimately want you to know people well and to be able to relate to them well and have good relationships. That's ultimately why we do all this stuff, not to put people in boxes or to analyze them, but to really understand them well so that we can relate to them mm. well. So with that, we're going to jump into the body triad, the gut triad, if you will, um, which we talked about in a previous episode when we went through the triads, the three triads are the body or gut triad, um, numbers 891, and then the heart triad is numbers 234, and then the head triad is numbers 567. So today we're going to start with that upper portion, the top one of the Enneagram, 8, 9, and 1. We'll talk through what each one of these numbers are. Now, Aaron, earlier you said you did this in Asheville, but I think it was probably Asheville. I'm just saying. It might have been Asheville. You might you might have offended everybody there. <laughs> you just left. I'm there. also not from Asheville, so <laughs> I'm from the West Coast, so I say things how I'm going to say it, and then it just is what it is, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, we're not even, now we're not anywhere. I don't know where the crowd we are with that. I guess what I'm thinking is, do we need to focus on one triad then? 
Correct. Yeah, we're going to start with the body triad, which is at the top of the Enneagram. And these are numbers eight, nine, one. Eight is your challenger. Nine is your peacemaker. And one is your perfectionist. I always call it a perfectionist, but I feel like it's something else. Um, Maybe you can look it up if you think about it. But strict moral person <laughs> you're strict moral yeah oh. <laughs> you know this makes me think of uh pippi longstocking <laughs> there's this what? show there was this like teacher miss metchismich i don't even know how to pronounce the name but i just Literally. remember yeah anyway wow uh that really ages me um <laughs> so let's start with um we'll start with the eight and then we'll go to nine and one spend a few minutes on each one the eight is the challenger And if you listen to the podcast episode from a couple of episodes ago on the triads, you would know that the um, body triad number eight is the challenger. And this person, this triad of people tend to struggle with anger and the eight specifically tends to be angry outwardly toward the world. They've got like these sort of repressed or unresolved, you know, angst about about the world, about injustices that they tend to take out at other people, they can often be perceived as um, being uh, very bold, as being, um, if you're a woman, oftentimes they're called a bitch, unfortunately. Eights often tell me that they are misunderstood because they come across as being advocates, and in fact, advocates for the weak and the vulnerable, and they have big hearts toward a lot of people. But in a lot of ways, they're perceived as having no heart at all. They often, I think, come across as being bold and direct because they want to just call things what they are. They don't want to BS around things. They want to see exactly what it is and be efficient and be clear and then move on and deal with what is instead of like beating around the bush or like pretending Mm. about things. They just hate that kind of stuff. They for the, the same reason that they often will hate small talk because it's just not real. It's like, let's just talk about the real issues. Why is that like if we're in a room and there's a party going on and there's like this huge elephant in the room and everybody's just sort of mingling, not talking about it. They'll be the ones to like stop and be like, "Uh, everyone can have your attention, please. (laughs) This thing is happening and we need to talk about it right now. Right. Um, And then that's when they become alone. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody just leaves. (laughs) Yeah. And in a certain sense, they're kind of carrying um, a a weight or of responsibility, I think that the other numbers don't tend to carry, which in some ways can be sort of a detrimental thing or a difficult thing for them. But in other ways, it's kind of a cool thing. It's something that sets them apart as having this unique responsibility and also ability to carry those things out, which is pretty cool. So I did look that up. The one is also known as the reformer. The reformer, that's it. We can call them the perfectionist. That's kind of like the playful name about it. But yeah, reformer. Thank you. So the other piece of this pie is this whole anger thing that this this triad struggles with. And what I've kind of learned is that they're not oftentimes aware of it. I mean, they're they're just not tuned in at all. So they are operating um, from that energy and of anger, right? Because maybe injustice, boundaries being crossed, expectations not being met. And the other people are interpreting them as angry. Yeah, I would say actually the eights that I have worked with often do know that they're angry. Uh, Like I can think of one guy specifically, (laughs) he's always getting in fights on the basketball court (laughs) and like he clearly knows he's got a bunch of aggression. But what that is, is like he's so passionate about whatever is happening 
um, that it and then there's a certain level of intensity that goes with eights as well. If you think about like each one of these numbers also has sort of a, a specific struggle and lust is the struggle of the eight, um, which essentially is like there's a certain like passion or intensity that can be misdirected or misguided. But when it's like advocacy or protection for the weak or the vulnerable, that can be a really good thing. Right. So they definitely I think the eights often do. They have a lot of awareness about their anger or their aggression. And I think good, healthy eights use that um, for a good purpose. And they know how to channel it, like doing specific workouts or moving their bodies in certain ways to channel that energy in healthy mm-hmm. ways. Maybe the other side of the coin is that I'm thinking of a couple of people that the intensity that they have, they would never say that they were angry. But the people on the other side are like, well, bro, you're like, what's going on? You're like, <laughs> this is like irritable. I mean, it's, you could probably still use the word passion, um, but other people might interpret it different. And I, I'm just thinking of the awareness issue of an eight to go. You could be coming off maybe more than you think you're coming off and down the old anger train. Right. Just two quick things that I'll say more about the eight and then we'll move on to the nine to keep this rolling here. One is that eights often find themselves in leadership roles because they can make good leaders because they will recognize that somebody needs to take charge and they have no problem stepping into that. And the other thing is that they do not like to be controlled. They do not like to be told like their freedom's limited or they don't like to be um, like told what to do because um, they don't want manage. Yeah, like micromanage. They don't want to be controlled, but they also don't want to control anyone else. They just want to be independent and autonomous and in control of themselves. And they want to give everybody else the freedom to be in control of themselves as well. So if that's you, hopefully that was helpful. And if you know somebody that's an eight, they can be um, wonderful to be in relationship with. You do kind of need to have thick skin, though, I would say, because they can be so direct. And it's not personal. That's the other thing. That's It's not personal. In business settings, when I've worked with eights, they can give some very painful direct feedback. But if you can just take it for what it is and not make it personal, they will actually respect you and, and be one of your most loyal supporters. So keep that in mind working with eights. From there, let's move to nines, which are actually quite different from eights. If your eight is a challenger, your nine is a peacemaker. And a nine is often kind of like your middle child, your, uh, you know, the older sibling maybe is like the golden child or the one that's like following all the rules or carrying, you know, all the responsibility in the family. Maybe the younger child is the rebellious one getting into trouble or whatever. And then the nine is sort of in the middle, like, can we all just get along? <laughs> right. They're like, no, we can't. Son of a. <laughs> exactly. They're the they're the one that um, they care most about harmony in the relationship. They want harmony with everybody. They tend to not like conflict. In fact, they tend to hate conflict. <laughs> they tend to avoid it at all costs and will like hide themselves <laughs> away from people and situations. <laughs> Literally, like just. Slowly back out of the room. <laughs> exactly. Sinking away. It's like, hey, where'd that nine go? <laughs> they just disappeared. A what do you think about ago. that? I have some strong opinions. Really? I'm a, I'm a... <laughs> just Does anybody want some water? <laughs> go get some water. Um, but it's great because nines um, can be the kind of people that are like the glue that holds people together sort of quietly behind the scenes, so to speak. They can certainly be leaders, but they may not necessarily be on the front lines of that because they don't necessarily like to be in the spotlight leading things and in control of things. 
because it can sort of create a lot of conflict. They may tend to be people who have great relationships. They've got a lot of um, connections and supports in their lives. And if you remember in talking about anger, the eights were angry outwardly. The nines are angry inwardly at themselves. The nines would be, I don't know, I'm angry until I do. Because there's this whole like thing with nines that are like, they will sort of go along to get along. One of the struggles of the nines is like having an opinion and sharing it with somebody else because that could potentially be conflict. You know, like Nathan, what what topic should we talk about for our podcast? And you might say like, oh, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to share. Like whatever you think is fine, you know, <laughs> because what if you don't like what I have to say or what if you don't want to talk about my subject? That's potential conflict. So they might often like defer or deflect to another person in a relationship. And so they might go along to get along. Which means they might be like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden they might be like, no, not okay. And flip on a dime because all of a sudden they realize, no, I was kind of okay with it, but I was kind of hoping maybe like things would go in a different direction, but okay, I'm fine with it. Right. I'm fine. Fine. Everything's fine. And then in time with, with repeated instances like that, they actually do get sort of fed up with things. They are an energy storage device that all comes out at once, like a little battery. You build them up and then they explode. Yeah. And that's interesting that you actually use that word energy, because I think nines do similar to fives in a certain way. Um, they operate with with energy in mind. They have like a certain amount of energy that they need to use mm. and conserve. Nines often will um, they may do certain things. And because they're kind of restraining a lot of like um, con uh, avoidance of conflict or they are trying not to disrupt things or they're trying to keep everyone together. That's a lot of energy, right, that they're expending or if they're just trying to be peaceable and getting along with people, that's energy that they're like expending that can actually be really draining for them. And so they will be often thinking about life in terms of how much energy it's going to take to do certain things. I think of uh, some nines that I know. They're so non-committal. Like you ask them, like, "Oh, you want to go hang out?" They'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I think maybe, you know, I'll get, I'll get to you." You don't hear anything one way or the other. And it's like because all of that energy situation could be going on for a little while, and then it's like the last minute they're like, "I've spent enough for the day. I'm not doing anything." Right. And they, but they don't want to tell you that because they don't want you to get mad. Right. So we're just not going to say anything. Yeah. And, and for that reason, yeah, nines can often be seen as lazy because they are like essentially kind of conserving energy. Um, and I joke as an Enneagram three, I joke that like when I'm unhealthy, I go to nine and I'll say like if I'm just overwhelmed or I'm tired, I'm stressed I'm whatever. I'll call it like I'm nining out because I'm just like laying in bed, like doing nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm nining out like let's just embrace it. Like this is kind of the negative traits of nines. But that doesn't mean that nines are actually lazy at all. They can be very intelligent, very hardworking, very responsible. So they're not connected to their body in that way. They wouldn't know. So is that where you're? Yeah, going they would be because they're still in the body triad. So they are still well, that's what I mean, connected though. to their body and their bodies would feel like the tiredness. And, and in the same sense, like when they reconnect, when they yeah reconnect with their body and like engage some sort of like exercise or movement. Often that will give nines a lot of clarity because because their bodies are the things that's given them information about how they're actually feeling. Because okay. most of the time they might be like, I don't really know, whatever, it doesn't matter. What do you want to do? I, you know, where do you want to go for dinner? It doesn't matter to me. But like when you when they can engage their bodies, it's very clear, like 
you know, what I'm thinking and feeling and wanting and needing. Right. So that, and that's kind of what I was thinking. I guess I said that differently, but it's this idea that if you, they know about their body, right. But on the other hand, um, all that clarity that they're getting is literally from moving it and from kind of agreeing with it, but also it can be, they feel the overwhelm in their body Correct. rather than like, you know, five, six, sevens are going to be in their head you know, stuck in there. Aware of the information that's telling them that there are a lot of things happening that would lead me to um, conceivably be overwhelmed if I had feelings. <laughs> if I had feelings. Right. Conceivably. <laughs> oh my gosh, other people, what are you talking about? I don't know what I am, but that sounds right. <laughs> right. I like that word, conceivable. Good job, that's me. <laughs> okay, so what about the ones? Okay, so ones are your reformer, and we have lovingly called them perfectionists as well, because I think ones would nice definitely frame on the lovable yep they would definitely call <laughs> themselves perfectionists as well ones are angry inwardly at themselves because ones often have some sense of like um, right and wrong in their head that they believe this is the standard like everybody else should have this standard but they don't realize that it's their own standard they think it's the standard because it's their own right well because it's right because it's right the end the end. <laughs> and 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 it's true. They can be fantastic, like rule followers and aware of like what you're supposed to do. Like if you're on a team or in a relationship with the one, they can ask great questions about things that need to happen or should happen. How is it supposed to happen? Is this OK? Is that OK? Is that not OK? They can get really detail oriented like that, which, you know, on the one hand can be really, really um, frustrating because it can feel like there's either poking holes or playing devil's advocate all the time. But in a kind of way that's similar to a six, they're looking at some of the ways that things work or the, the, the potential problems that could happen. And they're wanting to know what are our parameters here? What are the right things yeah, that we can right and should do? So they can be great at sort of helping you figure out, like um, if you're putting a plan together, like what some potential problems might be. Um, or the details that you might need to to have to put those together. Well, yeah, they'll naturally ask all the detailed questions because they're trying to understand the actual structure that is needed in order to move forward. Once they understand that, they can check the box and they move on. And that's kind of where some of the anger can come in when somebody else comes over and says, oh, I, we don't do it that way here. Like, or it doesn't matter. That It doesn't matter. We'll just do whatever. And they're like, no, there's a right way. This needs to happen. It absolutely freaking matters. <laughs> and if we don't, that's bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And that's where the they can be hard. They're hard on themselves, but that's where they also can be hard on other people around them just because once they understand the structure, they want to make the structure keep happening, which means if people go outside of it, Depending on the one, because there's also extroversion and introversion in any in any one of these situations with people, um, they might need to tell you, you know, if it, somebody's more introverted, they'll just get more irritable and irritable and irritable and then kind of explode or leave. But if somebody's more extroverted, they're more likely to go, um, you know, actually, that was supposed to be done like X, Y, Z or whatever. And if you're married to a one or if you are in, in, in relationship to a one. Um, you might feel like they're constantly being critical to you. But the reality is that I don't really think that they even know they're doing it, to be honest. Correct. That's right. They, in a certain sense, they are looking at what's right or what's best, you know, in their in their mind, it's like what's right. And that's going to be safe and healthy and good. 
and they're trying to help everyone around them to live under that structure or live that way because that's a form of care for them. I want to sort of protect you or I want you to live in this way and then you will be living a good, right life as well because everybody should be doing this. This is the right way to do things. And that's very loving, I think, of them in their minds um, for them to do. But like you said, people will experience that, I think, often as like being critical. Right. And so with the ones being angry more inwardly, they also don't really realize how much that anger is coming off to other people um, in that situation. So and the worst thing you can do, like for other reasons, probably with anybody say like, are you angry? Like what's going on? <laughs> right. Right, right. How dare you? I am <laughs> now and it's your fault. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's because you highlight something that is there. They automatically become aware of it. And also, um, they didn't need to do that. They were, they were fine until that just happened. Right. And they can have, just as we close out here, they can have a hard time, I think, really being honest with themselves about like what's really going on, have a hard time like admitting mistakes or admitting forgiveness, um, fault and forgive. Yeah, they can tend to hold on to things because if there was a right standard and I didn't live up to it, that's really hard. They, they don't like want to see them. Yeah, they don't want to see themselves that way. And they certainly don't want other people to see them that way. And if you have done something that was wrong, it's like, well, you you did that wrong. You weren't supposed to do that. And they have a hard time getting over there are multiple ways that people can do things, not just one right way, um, just like music, right? Like people can cover a song and cover it differently and differently and differently. And all those can be wonderful in different ways. You might just prefer one over the other. Um, but then also, um, if you have committed a wrong, they have a hard time letting it go and seeing that things can still go on and be OK. And you can forgive even though that wrong has been transgressed. So the body triad. The anger inwardly is the, the one. Inwardly is the one. Yep. Okay. And then. And then outwardly would be the eights, the challenger. All right. Well, folks, we hope that's been helpful. Have a great day, little campers. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 